Hey cousins, you are listening to Revolutionary Hood Rat with Kim Young of Dope Black Social Worker and welcome back. We got us another episode, one that I am really, really excited about. But before I jump into just sharing a little bit about who is joining me on the podcast this week, we're going to do a little revolutionary news. And so this week's revolutionary news goes out to Dr. Alan Detlef. And if y'all are not familiar with uh, Dr. Alan Detlef, author and abolitionist, he was the former dean of the University of Houston. Like many folks on Twitter or just on the internet these days, he's our dean. Like even though I've been out of grad school a solid decade, um, he is still the dean of all deans to me. So as I mentioned, he was the former dean of the University of Houston's graduate social work program. But in December of 2022, he was removed from that position. And folks who are familiar with his work and understand his vision and commitment to abolition can certainly see as to the motives for his removal from the University of Houston. But that is not the revolutionary news I'm sharing with you this week. I'm sharing about the fact that our dean wrote a book. He released a book. It's called Confronting the Racist Legacy of the American Child Welfare System, The Case for Abolition. And I can't wait to get my hands on a copy because as somebody who did their first field placement during my first year of my MSW program inside of the foster care system here in the city of Richmond, I really didn't know what that was all about. I also fully didn't understand the policing that took place inside of that system. And so I'm excited to get my hands on his book. The title of that book is Confronting the Racist Legacy of the American Child Welfare System, The Case for Abolition. So shout out to the dean of all deans, the comrade of all comrades, someone who's been committed to this revolutionary and justice-focused work longer than I probably even knew about the field of social work. So revolutionary news for this week goes out to our dean, our forever dean, Dr. Alan Detlef. Y'all, pick up the book. Follow him on social media. He's a good time. Shout out to Dean Detlef. So y'all, we do not have any Earth is Ghetto for the week because we got us another guest. And I'm really excited to be able to spend some time just chatting it up with one of my favorite humans on the planet. I love her for multiple reasons, which you'll soon find out. But I think one of the main reasons, y'all, because she a Virgo. And y'all know like this Capricorn loves a Virgo down. But I am joined this week by Miss Ashley White. Ashley White is the owner of Style Identity, a jewelry and accessory company centered around the mantra that style is the armor and the battle for identity. Ashley is also a Richmond native that graduated from Virginia Commonwealth University's fashion and merchandising program. She has an, a love for all things art and culture and style and fashion and sneakers. By day, you can find her teaching spin classes at a, a local studio, Black-owned studio here in the city of Richmond called Our Cycle Studio. So if you have not checked them out and you're in Richmond, pull up on them, get you a bike. It's a good time. You can also find her being creative in every every single, every single facet of her life, building her own brand, focusing on her goals and encouraging other people to build their confidence and individuality through personal style and artistic expression. So Ashley is going to join me. We're going to have a great time just chopping it up about being an only child, about finding joy after loss, about quitting these damn jobs that be plucking our nerves. And so let's go ahead and dive right into this conversation with Ashley. Get ready for a good ride. Bet. So I've already shared how excited I am about this conversation with you. And I, I think it's, um, I'm going to start with just our, our origin story from my perspective. 
I'm I like, because really- <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> like me, I cannot remember what it is. Because there's a pattern of how I pick up people in my life. And I may have to go back and see the lady to figure out what that shit is about. Because I seem to pick up people who we are all in a space. And there's like this collective energy and this look of like, what the hell is going on in here? These people are dumb. And so I remember first seeing you. <laughs> My previous job, there was a board meeting. You was coming in late. And now that I know you know you, the fact that you were late means your ass did not want to be there. But anyways, like you came in late, <laughs> you sat down, and you were just looking around the room like, these people are dumb. Like, why are we in here? And I looked across the room. I said, oh, I think I might need to be her friend. I think I might need to be her friend. Yeah, I remember this now in exact those were my exact thoughts. I was like, I think I might need to be her friend. And it had to be maybe like 2019, the end of 2019. I believe yeah. definitely before the panty. And look at us now. Look at us now. To, Blossom. you know, blossoming, struggling. That part. Lost in the world. And I'm excited to be able to dive into this conversation with you so that folks, number one, could get to learn more about you because you have a lot to say, a lot going on, a lot of thoughts. You be keeping that shit inside your own little body. Yes, I do. A lot stays in my head. A lot of stuff is in your head. And so one of the first places I kind of want to start, because I think another thing we share in common is like showing up in the world and people see something on the outside and things are always going on the inside that we don't really show people. Right. Yeah. And so when people are kind of looking at you and if y'all don't know, like Ashley is the influencer of all influencers, even though they put, you know, they don't put no respect on your name, how they should. However, that's true when uh people look at you who's the person that they see but don't know I feel like I don't actually I don't know who they even see but I know people I feel like people look at me and just see they see this influencer like y'all call me but then they also see somebody who is more quiet than they really are a little more reserved than they really are. And yeah, that's that's not the case. <laughs> then what is the case then? That's not the case. I, I feel like people miss out on the fact that, A, I'm really smart. Not to be like tooting my own horn or whatever, but like- Yeah, now you're brilliant. And people don't get that because on the flip side, I'm very, very black and not- to say that you cannot equate the two, but people tend to not equate the two. That's not Mm. my fault. That's not my fault. That's not true. Mm. But yeah. Well, let's stop there for a little bit because we're both brilliant Black people. And I think we have some similar academic trajectories, right? Like going into these different specialty schools or programs are often alone and how we look and how we show up. And then what that experience could feel and be like just to be black and brilliant and have folks not understand that shit yeah definitely I mean that goes all the way back to like (laughs) elementary school for me I guess because like growing up in Richmond's East End my parents were definitely against me going to any zone school on the side of town and so I was finessed into a lot of city schools specifically they did make it a point for me to go to city school so I could not be completely isolated from my I had to be black, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 
But um, high school, getting to high school, I went to governor's school. And so that was... Break that down for people, though, because that's a new concept for me, right? Okay. Coming from a whole so, different state. Yeah. So in Richmond or Virginia, I don't know how it works outside of Richmond, but like Richmond and surrounding counties, um, Vir- the governor's school was a school where you had to test into school. Like all schools didn't have magnet programs that everybody could just attend if they were, you know, educationally inclined to do so. And so it was a very intense process of taking a bunch of tests to get into a school with people from Richmond and surrounding counties as far out as like New Kent, I guess. Um, And so, yeah, that was very interesting because it was very white. Mm -hmm. It was very, very, very white. And there were other Black people that went to the school, but that was also one of my first times experiencing Black people who were not necessarily culturally Black. Yeah, there's a difference. And so, yeah, that was learning a bunch of new people and learning how to operate amongst a group of new people. And I think that's really where I started learning how to show up like super authentically and not conform. Yeah. Because like, my... what's the alternative? Yeah, I didn't like, want that. That gets exhausting. That. Yeah. That gets exhausting after a while. And I think it is doubly exhausting when like another thing we have in common, right? Being only children, we don't have to be anything else but ourselves at home. Yeah, I mean, so like... I mean, nothing but me and not, so not like... even... Not even in the only child sense, but like <laughs> how I grew up and with the type of parents that yeah. I had. It was yeah. a free-for-all. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a little bit because we've talked about it offline before. And I don't think, and I haven't really seen like public conversations about the uniqueness of being an only child. And I think how it informs, I think our perception of the world, how it informs our relationships. And now that I'm aging, how it actually informs mortality, right? Like being an only child. And um, just for you, what is kind of, how has being an only child, I guess, shown up in your life in different ways? It could be in the way you understand relationships, the way you relate to the world, the way you just kind of see stuff. So I know for sure being an only child, like, of course, being an only child, you spend the majority of your time with yourself. I am very cool with me. Like, I know me well. I enjoy the person that I am. It is not dependent on other people or anything other than what I have going on internally. And a lot of people are not like that. Yeah. (laughs) and that is confusing to me I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna be funny but like (laughs) encountering so many people like as you get older and you're navigating the world and you're encountering these people who don't who do not know themselves yeah don't spend time with themselves yeah don't seem to know themselves and then I mean like the flip side of that right is because I am also so comfortable with being alone with my own time like being with my in my own space moving at my own pace Um, I think it's also made it difficult, right, to be in various types of relationships and also how to understand other people. 
Oh, it makes it extremely difficult uh, of how to understand different people. I mean, I feel like the majority of people, A, that I know have siblings. And so they navigate relationships differently. But then being an only child and having the type of parents that I had and like growing up in the type of environment that I grew up in. And it was a it was a happy I had a happy childhood. I, had, I lived in a happy, <laughs> healthy household tell it, them it was not until a little black girl in richmond lived in a happy and healthy household i lived in a happy <laughs> healthy love filled free to be me <laughs> household and that is i did not realize how rare that was Sadly. until i was an adult mm-hmm. even on top of that i grew up in a religionless household which is also rare for Black mm-hmm. people. My dad's Catholic. My mom is Baptist. They made the collective decision to raise me to be agnostic. So, like, the household rules were to act right. like, <laughs> And everything should be fair. Right. Everything should be fair and don't act like a dick. And things are, <laughs> everything should be fine, right? And so, like, growing up with that type of mentality and that type of, like, those type of rules, it wasn't until I was grown and I was in therapy that I realized I would get so angry with other people when they just wouldn't act right. I just didn't understand why people just wouldn't do the right thing. Because to me, it seems so simple. Because it could be. It could be. (laughs) But but people have like all these other life experiences that I've, I've never had. I've never... Mm-hmm. been through those things that lead people to to have the decision-making processes that they have I was straightforward no my decision-making like oh that's right oh that's wrong this is what I'm gonna do this is what I'm not gonna do and when yeah. people <laughs> <laughs> but I used to get like filled with rage when people would do things <laughs> that were not right and I didn't under I did not understand why I mean thank thanks to professionals now and even then i'll be even trying to contextualize the why can make people want to ask well why yeah Yeah. right you taught me that you told me to stop asking people why why is too big why is why is big why is scary why is intimidating why could be judgmental i live in the what in the how world yeah i mean and when you broke that down (laughs) to me i was like you know that makes perfect sense and i've done my best to make a conscious effort to stop yeah, because why, is why would send me into a spiral <laughs> oh my god that why is stressful and even thinking through like some of these bigger questions and concepts about life and then like bringing it back to being only child how many times do you find your have you found yourself just having a conversation with you right and rarely right but then we, that's a problem for us though, right? Like do that shit all the time. Rarely reach outside of ourselves for things. Yeah. It's but hard then can end up getting off. frustrated when people like don't come break down the door and be like, are you okay? Yeah, that's definitely, <laughs> that's definitely a thing. That's definitely, <laughs> it is very, it is very rare that I will reach out to anybody if I'm in need of anything. Like yeah. I have come it's not even people attribute it to this like stupid ass strong black woman trope but it's like literally i've been by myself for eight seven you can bleep that out if you want to because that's a lot we all (laughs) 
27 <laughs> years now, yeah. almost. And yeah, so why wouldn't I continue to try and figure stuff out by myself? I'm with myself all the time. I know I'm a reliable person. I know and I won't let me down, right? I won't let me down. I never have. And so, yeah, to reach out to other people who, when I have reached out to other folks, yeah. they have let me down. Yeah. So like track record says, I don't need to be asking people for shit. However, we all get to that place in our lives where it's not just, we can't just reach within anymore. Right. And I mentioned a little bit earlier, the older I get and the more I kind of settled into this understanding that people are going to die and not just people like my mom, my dad, like they're going to pass away. Yeah. And then, like as an only child dealing with just the mortality of the folks who have been my nucleus for the longest, like what what is going to become of me when that moment comes and what can I do now to prepare and accept that it will happen? And so I'm bringing us here because you have already had this experience yeah. with one of your parents. Yeah, I lost my mom to cancer and like that shit still hurts me. That was yeah. like, that was several years ago and that shit still hurts because that's like my original best friend. Right. Like, that's my dog. Mm-hmm. Still to this day, that's my dog. I talk to my mom all the time. Whole face. We are the same person. <laughs> we are literally the same person. And it's crazy because I've tried to explain this to other people, but there's there's this like ever looming anxiety around that I have because I know how that feels and mm-hmm. I know I'm going to have to feel it again. Yeah. Yeah. I do not want to feel that again. Yeah. And I'm going to have to feel that again for somebody that I love and care for just as much Mm -hmm. as I love and cared for her. Because like I said, happy, healthy household. Won't no Mm -hmm. beef in the white white household. Okay. I love both my parents (laughs) to death. Everybody loves my dad. That's going to hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to handle that. But I do know that I've built relationships with people like y'all. I know y'all will be there for me. I know mm-hmm. that for a fact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't doubt that. Like y'all mm-hmm. are the people I can count on. And so being able to be so selective because I am only child in the relationships that I build, that's a positive when it comes to something like that. So talk to me a little bit about, um, right? Like the loss occurs. And you just mentioned it, like having just the living anxiety. It's rational as hell that you're going to have to deal with loss again, right? Again, every day. day. I think about that pretty much every day. And I mean, like that, how many of us do, but don't say that shit out loud. I think about it too. Like I had one of my first breakdowns. I was watching the goddamn Tupac documentary about his mom that came out on Hulu. Oh, see, Dear Mama document? Yeah. I can't, I can't. I was watching the Dear Mama Mama documentary. Girl, got to the last episode. I was sitting on the sofa. And I said it out loud for the first time, maybe ever. I was like, my mom is going to die. It just like broke down on the sofa because it's just true. Right? It's just true. Yeah, it's a fact. But like we don't talk about just death in general with with Black people. Yeah. It don't matter your level of degree, profession. It don't matter what. We just don't talk about death. Mm -hmm. Um, And we don't talk about 
how we find ways to continue to live, even though the anxiety exists that we're going to have to deal with death and loss again. And then again, and then again, and then again, and again, and again, and again. And so I want to talk to you about like how you still found just the space to live and create because you're an artist, you're a creative, you innovate, you make shit out of shit that I'd be like, how you make that? Right. So like, (laughs) and I, and also if you want to share a little bit, cause I am, I learned some, I think your dad had shown me a picture of your mom's like paintings or something. Yeah, she used to do. um, Yeah, she used to do like mixed media art, and even like how you just allowed yourself to like let your creativity. I'm gonna say like be a part of your own healing story and journey. Um, what has that been like for you? Um, it's art to me is like it's like breathing. Like it's like something I need to do in order to live. And it's because it's been a part of my life since I was younger, like just the basics as a child, like most of my first pictures of me being a coherent human toddler or whatever, are me with some sort of like art supplies, crayon, <laughs> paint, paper, whatever. Oh, so you didn't destroy your crayons like the rest of us. I used to shred them bitches up. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> No, 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 no. I took great care of my crayons. I was bougie with them from the start. Like, oh, no rose art in the White House. Oh, Ooh, violence. Okay. <laughs> like, you, that's the insult. That is an insult to, give, to have given me rose art. And so, like, I mean, every holiday, I got a fresh pack of at least the 64 count crayons. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I guess once once my parents realized, like, okay, that's her jam, like, they really nurtured that talent. Because, I mean, there's one thing to like it, but I'm also going to toot my own horn and say I'm talented. Incredibly. And, and so, like, taking the time to put me in art classes and just let me explore different mediums and things. And then my mom, she did, like I said, mixed media work so she would do a lot of things with like paper and collages and things like that and that was a thing that we shared growing up was doing art projects together Mm. and so fast forward to now like I I wouldn't know what to do with my spare time if I wasn't Mm. doing things like it just is what feels right. And as a person who is a creative, I constantly see things in my brain all day and just things that I want to make, things that I want to create, mm-hmm. whether it be jewelry or household stuff or whatever. Like if it's art, I'm in it. Yeah. yeah. And especially like after my mom passed, like I needed that. Like I needed that outlet. I needed something to do to get my mind off of how I was feeling and to just be alone with my thoughts in a way that wasn't like destructive. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. your girl was mad. <laughs> and I mean, I'm using like outer feelings wheel yeah. right now. I was mad <laughs> and, sad and all those things. But I, just, I didn't know what to do with that. I was going to grief counseling, but it's still like, mm-hmm. okay, man, whatever. Like, do you know what this feels like? Mm. You don't know what this feels like. Like, I know you know kind of what it feels like, but you don't know exactly how I'm feeling right now. You're not in my shoes. And yeah. just having 
not only that outlet, but an outlet that was directly connected to my mom. That probably saved me from doing a lot of stupid shit. I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna hold you. Like I it. being out here angry and pissed and not knowing how to channel all that stuff that was going through my girl. You would have been in reverse. They would have been coming to see you at the Richmond jail, putting their hand up on the glass. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, I can't wait for you to come out. I put some money, I put some money on your book. <laughs> oh, yeah, not for real. That would have been, been. It probably would have been in the reverse. <laughs> Look, I'm so happy you mentioned just um the different ways that we could show up and take care of ourselves. They don't always have to include therapy, right? Like, even though I'm a licensed therapist, I'm not the person that pushes everybody's therapy because I don't believe that. People need therapy at the right time with the right person, right? Like if it makes sense for them, they're ready and they find the right therapist. But there are so many other things that folks can do. Yeah. So many other things that so many other things that people can do. Um, But I feel like it's one of those things where you have to know, like, why it's helping you. Yeah. Because it kind of goes back to the thing where I actually hate this, where like, Men be like, I'm going to the gym because that's my therapy. Borderline addiction, buddy. Right. Because it's like, <laughs> what, are, what are you channeling into being here so long? Yeah. Like, why are you here so long? And like, are you just being aggressive with the weights? Because you <laughs> don't know. Putting them away. Yeah. Ooh, don't talk about that. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, do you even know why? Like, I knew, I knew art was my outlet because of of how it makes me feel to just release the creative energy and yeah. to have that connection that direct connection to my mom like that felt good it felt right but like I also work out a lot I know going to the gym even though it made me feel good was not the release for what I was feeling it's just endorphins like I just <laughs> felt good just for a little bit you yeah. know what I mean like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you for being willing to to talk about that and share that with people because I I really want to leave folks encouraged, especially the older that we get, is like we think we really gotta work to this place of the acceptance of mortality. Yeah. I um, mean it's coming. And it's, it's it's and it's coming in ways that you don't expect it to come. Expect it. Because yeah. of course you know your parents. You know that that's a thing that's going to happen. But your friends. Yeah, man. Your peers. Yeah. People our age are are leaving this are left and right. Left and right. Without knowing. Because the world is raggedy and so many things are happening as far as our systems, as far as just the government and health and just. Trying to everything. kill us. They trying to get reversed. <laughs> I mean, they do. They succeeding in a lot of ways. They trying to take us down. They're trying to take us down. Um, I want to talk to you about one of the things that I probably joke with you about the most. Because look, they try to talk about Kiki keep a keep a job Palmer, but I don't think they've met Ashley keep a job White. Because yeah. <laughs> well, one thing you're gonna do is keep a job, even when you quit a job and figure that shit out. And I want to spend some time talking about one of the most bravest things that I have seen you do in the relationship I have known you for, which was walk away from a job. 
Ooh, so it just yeah. was not serving you. Yes. Quitting a job. And like, yes, like you say, I keep a job. I don't think there's ever been a time since college that I've had less than three jobs <laughs> at a time. That sounds familiar. Yeah, less than three jobs. I mean, of course, one of those is always going to include my business, uh, Style Identity. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure Kim plugged that in the intro. But spell it for him real quick since we're already right here. Okay, S-T-Y-L-E-D-E-N-T-I-T-Y is Style Identity, not Style Identity, like people like to say. It's a hybrid word. (laughs) All right, Maggie Walker. (laughs) But yeah, about quitting that job. But yeah, so quitting the job, um, it was my full-time job, like the basis for me living my life. And like you said, it was not serving me. Um, I have never worked a job until then where I felt like I was being disrespected. And that was just something I could not tolerate. I don't think I really put that out there to many people or like publicly, but, but I mean, it is what it is. That's kind of one of those things where like going back to my original morals growing up, like don't do stuff you don't want people to know about. If you was disrespecting me, I have the right to tell everybody yeah. who listened to this podcast that I was at work being disrespected. And I was that was your experience. That was my experience. And it it really hit me one day at work and I was just like I can't continue to show up in a place that doesn't value me it doesn't matter if they're paying me um because for real for real that's like akin to slavery like showing up (laughs) (laughs) showing up and being disrespected and expecting to have all this work done like mm -mm, we're not doing that so look let me set the context real quick because people are going to listen to this and be like, all right, she quit a job. Our people do that before. But y'all actually quit her job as the person. If she don't work, money don't come in her household. There's no one else to fall back on. There's no other income. There's no other person. There's no other nothing. If she don't work, things don't it's, get paid. Yeah, nothing gets paid. <laughs> and, and she I'm quit like, her job, y'all. I'm a big grown person <laughs> with big grown bills. Okay, I have a mortgage. Like the bank will come take my shelter <laughs> if I don't pay them people. I have to pay them people, okay? <laughs> so that's how serious yeah. it was. Yeah. I, I, and also going back to what we were talking about before, how it's so hard for me to ask for help. Mm-hmm. I didn't even ask for help, but I called, I remember I called my dad and I was like, this is what's been going on at work. I don't like it. I'm not happy. This is, how much money I have saved. This is my plan. I'm just letting you know that if it does boil down to it one day and I need your help, I'm going to have to ask you for help. And I'm Mm -hmm. just giving you notice that Mm -hmm. that's like a new part of our relationship that we've never Mm -hmm. experienced. It's like Mm -hmm. we ask for stuff, but Mm -hmm. that might happen because I have to go. And I have to go today. Like, I need to let these people know something about close the business today. (laughs) I'm out today <laughs> because yeah and it and it was terrifying because mm. I didn't know what he was gonna say I mean I obviously I valued his opinion a lot and I didn't know what he was gonna say you know he old school he's yeah. from that generation of yeah. you can't say you, you can't, can't do yeah. your job because how are you gonna pay for things and it and it I didn't know mm-hmm. you just knew you know. couldn't be there anymore 
I knew I couldn't be there anymore. I knew I had enough money to get me through however many months of, of living mm -hmm. without having anything come in. But I was just like, you know what? It'll work out. It'll it, work out. It talked to us about how it's working out. I mean, it's working out. I, I, have, <laughs> I, I, I just have this like, you know, I'm I'm delusional in my thinking. It's very yes. grandiose a lot of the times. And I'm just like, I'm far too talented. And Lady far Drake. Too, yeah, Lady Drake. I'm I'm far too talented and <laughs> far too intelligent to have my house taken away from me. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna figure out some sort of way to have money coming in. Like it's just however that has to be. Stripping, selling drugs. Be, Right. It might not be predictable. It might not be steady. <laughs> but every month on a month by month basis, I'm going to pay these bills. Period. And it's worked out well. I've gotten some contracts with the Virginia Museum of Fine Art to, ooh, sell, ooh. My, to sell my jewelry there, to have pop up shows there. I've actually gotten a little bit more into influencing, and I have a contract with. Um, I don't know if I can say this yet because the uh, the video hasn't come out mm -hmm, yet. But mm -hmm. getting paid to, you know, do what you've been doing. Things, yeah, that I like to share. So like really just monetizing the things that I do anyway. Because honestly, as much as I keep a job, I'm not a person who likes to work. You like to create. I like to create things. Mm -hmm. I like to make things. I like to see the things that are in my brain come to life. And I like to help people by being creative. Like, that's what I enjoy doing. I do not enjoy going to work. I do not enjoy people telling me what to do because half the time is wrong. I don't enjoy, I just don't enjoy those experiences. I don't <laughs> like being told when I need to be somewhere, like, yeah. why I need to do this, that, and the third, especially if I don't agree with it. It's just not a space for me. I've, I've never. I've never liked that. I like working in environments, like I say, where I can be creative. Mm -hmm. Or if you are, quote unquote, telling me what to do, it's at least collaborative. And I mm -hmm. can have input and, you know, explain why I think things may, might need to be done this way or that way or whatever. But yeah, working in the traditional sense is not yeah. for me. I know that. I think it's not for a lot of people in our generation. And I was talking to one of my friends um, over the weekend about how I think when like our generation continues to move into some of the leadership roles at these organizations and these jobs, like, and we understand just work, work culture shifts along with trying to support the new generation of workers, like them Gen Z and Alpha, they don't fuck with none of this, right? Like- oh. And don't. And don't. Okay. <laughs> I, I think at some point, like some of this shit is just going to bust the way we have traditionally understood work. It's just not yeah. going to be the same anymore. Yeah. I think also a part of it too, is like I, a lot of the people that I know who work a traditional job and enjoy working a traditional job are people who claim that as their identity like their work is their you about to start a whole new conversation yeah their work is who they are who because they, they are. don't know who they are and i know very well who i am yeah so like having a job title attached to to what i do as as my means of identifying myself is not it's not my jam 
Like those, what do you do conversations where people try to do that whole like black elitist thing? I can't stand that. I oh, to... in the depths of my core, we both can't stand that. Because what, girl, whatever. I had excellence, I baby, I, I could care less. Yeah. And what's wild is like, I think we probably be having some of the same thoughts. People be talking, be like, I'm still better at you, better than you. Like, I, I'm better at like you. <laughs> Like, stop talking to me. Stop talking to me. (laughs) Because, like, without that job, who are you? What do you do? What do you enjoy? Like, it's the and and it's not yours. Somebody can take that away from you in a heartbeat at any moment. At any moment. And I think a lot of that has to do with understanding your own power and worth. And like you understood your power and your worth. And also what you would not tolerate much because you learned in your household that I'm not even gonna say gave you the curse. I don't even believe in that courage jargon that a lot of folks like to push because it looks different for black women right we don't get to have the same type of courage that folks like Brene Brown and them talk about showing up as black people so I don't even call it courage just like I just won't tolerate the disrespect I understand my worth I understand my power and I'm walking away from the situation yeah I I don't deserve that and you don't you don't get to make the decision yeah be that way you just don't but how many of us will stay how many of us continue i'm not gonna be there you can decide it but i'm not gonna be there so now 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 what you gonna do yeah we at home because i I, i'm gone i'm gone and And i somebody else and i know it's not gonna be another black woman i know that i mean you might have scared them or put them in their place i don't know um But I do wish for more Black women specifically, like, just to stand in the truth and know, like, you're going to be fine. It don't feel like it in those moments. This shit is terrifying. Like you said, I quit a job without having another job and I got big bills. And if I don't work, shit don't get paid. But I definitely quit them people's job because I could not do it anymore. Yeah. And And I can't even describe, like, the relief I felt when I quit. It feels so. It felt so good. good. I was it scared as shit. So good. Oh my god! But once I, I said, "Oh, oh, like, like it's a weight lifted off oh of you." Even, even my dad, like we said, he's from the old school, so he was like, "Oh, whoa, whoa, now, what you doing now?" Even now, when I see him, he's just like, "You're just so much happier." Yeah, and he's like, "I enjoy <laughs> seeing you be this way. Like, you're just so much yeah. happier." I am so much happier, like yeah. nickeling and diamond my way through the month. <laughs> because nobody's disrespecting me. Ah, and you're living in your truth and operating living, within I'm, your purpose. I'm doing the things that I enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. I am finding a way to monetize them. And it was just like, Almost the push I needed. I don't want to do that whole, I thank them for this. Because, no. But it did give me the push that I needed to just, like, step out. Not on faith, but on me. Like, step out and do the things that I knew I could do. That Mm -hmm. I was holding myself back from doing because Mm -hmm. I was fine. Mm. I was here. The money was coming in. I was doing what I like to do part-time, you know, coming home from work and making jewelry or, you know, creating things, making art, but like to wake up every morning and do that from nine to five or 
12 to 9, whatever I decide, because <laughs> I ain't got no job. No. <laughs> plenty of jobs. Plenty, job. plenty of jobs. <laughs> but it just feels so much better. And I think people really need to, like, sit back and think about, think about that. Like, of course, I was I was living way more lavishly when I had a job because I had several sources of income. I had extra income. Yeah. I don't have any kids. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, I didn't have all the responsibilities that a lot of my peers have. So yeah. I was just living my life and doing my thing. And the things that I've cut back on are not necessities. Like I'm not going out to eat five times a week. I'm not buying <laughs> $200 shoes every day. You know what I mean? Like I don't need that stuff. And I'm so much, I'm so much happier just by being able to do what I like to do. Yeah, there's a freedom that comes with letting go. And as scary as it may seem, because it should be scary to let go. Like if it's easy to let some shit go, you should have been done it a long time ago. Yeah. Um, But like when that fear is present before, like we make big decisions, those are going to be the ones that change us. Yeah. And because you have to, you have, if you quit a job, if you quit a job and you don't have the confidence in yourself and you, are you can't rely on yourself a you yes. need to do the work and figure out why you can't count on you you can apply that to relationships a. as well quitting jobs and relationships yeah like because you all you got like if you're dependent mm-hmm. on something else or someone else a you need to work that out first before you even think about quitting the job but i know i can count on me and so that just kind of like turn the work ethic up even more because okay I need to I need to pay these bills so what what can I do that is going to guarantee income what relationships can I leverage who can I talk to you know what I mean like yeah listen you said I think one you said a lot of important things on our conversation but I feel like the thing I'll walk away with is like the I can count on me part because I often think about the people who can't count on themselves and I feel for them, right? Like I have empathy towards them. It's a sadness that I certainly experienced because I know what it feels like to be able to count on me. I also know what it feels like during the time when I was not able to count on me mm-hmm. and the work I had to do to get to that place. Then that yeah. work is not short work. That work is long work. It's continuous work. It's lifetime yeah. of work, but it's also an understanding that I can do it. Like I can count on me. And because I can count on me, I also do the work to believe I can count on other people. Um, and that is harder. <laughs> I know. Yeah, working on. I know. And that's why I be showing up for you the way that I do. I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to get her to understand you can count on other people. <laughs> because I, listen, that's probably the hardest. That's one of the hardest things. Yeah, I get it. It's trying to count on other people. I get it. I get it. But once we can master counting on ourselves, then for me, like there's this understanding, all right, cool. Like I'm overflowing with shit. If that's love, understanding, compassion, a hearing ear, like whatever, I'm overflowing with shit because I can count on me. How can I pass that out? Meaning like, how can I be present to where other folks can count on me as well? And I get that back in return. Yeah. And it isn't because I expect it. It's because I understand how to form the relationships that don't deplete me. Yeah, I mean, it, it's you know? it, it's important. And it's, but you're right. Like when, once I do realize somebody is somebody like a, another person is somebody that I can count on, like uh, that's just another weight that's lifted too. Cause I'm just like, yeah. oh, 
Yeah. Like, thank you. <laughs> That's when I turn into like a little puppy and I'm just like, yeah, I like I you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, um, it's a larger arc. I think a lot of things play a role in it. And now I'm so curious. My nerdy ass wants to like dive into journal articles about the human behavior patterns of like only children. I'm, like, I feel like this shit has something to do with it. Oh, of course, no. like there's the intersections of race and class and gender, but I think there's something about the construct of being an only child. No, it has to be because that makes like, it difficult to trust and count other people. Yeah, because you don't like we a had to count on ourselves, right? Or like, you overly count, or you be disinhibited as hell. Yeah, but like I think not having those relationships, like, and this is me speaking on something that I don't know anything about, so I could be completely wrong. But this is just how I see it in my head. It's like I didn't grow up with any forced relationships. Same. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like people have shit brothers and sisters that they're forced to love because they're family and that teaches a whole different like relationship dynamic mm -hmm. that I don't want any parts of like I don't want to be indebted to you just because we have this relationship title like yeah if I don't like you I don't like you I don't like you blood like, or not yeah if you let me down you let me down it doesn't matter if you're my mom dad brother sister whatever mm -hmm. like it is what it is and I think, yeah, that only child thing has a lot to do with how we see relationships in the world. It has to. It has to. And the fact that I got a lot of only child friends, I don't know what that's telling me either. We just, we're like a little magnet. We like got to be. Yeah. We gotta be. Because I think we also um, have an understanding of boundaries and the extent of relationships. Yeah. Um, the boundaries part is a big <laughs> The boundaries part is a big piece. I can't tell you how many people I encounter on a daily basis who just, I want more for them because they don't have any boundaries. And I see how difficult it makes their lives. Incredibly difficult and lonely and sad, but I'm not getting paid to analyze that. But yeah. It doesn't have to be that Absolutely. way. <laughs> people know. I'm not doing <laughs> that. I don't like that. You're not treating me right. No, like have boundaries. Like, you no. 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 Just no. <laughs> you don't even have to explain. <laughs> no. <Just> no. <laughs> well, Ashley, I so value and appreciate you as a person and for allowing me to see the parts of you you don't like to show other folks. Because, oh. man, you just be trying to hide in plain sight. And I mean, I get it. And the reason I think I see it, because I do the same shit. I yeah, I, yeah, I in plain sight. Um, and so I'm grateful to have joined in you in life at this stage. And I'm excited about like whatever the hell we got left to do. I'm, like, it's a lot. I'm sure it's a lot. Of stuff. I I'm, feel it. Yeah, like I'm really excited and it and it, um, it fills me up. And so I thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, share with the people how to find your things, buy your things. Okay, yeah, let's do that because I quit my job. Yeah. So you can shop with me at Style Identity. The easiest thing to do is follow me on Instagram. Again, it's S-T-Y-L-E-D-E-N-T-I-T-Y. -E -E and there is 
all my links. You can shop with me through my Etsy store. You can figure out where I'm going to be at pop-up shops and this, that, and the third. And yeah, you can come ride with me at our cycle oh. studio, indoor cycling, if you're in Richmond, Virginia. Um, so yeah, pull up on me. Pull up on me. Pull up on me. Thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for being. I appreciate you. Thank you. Well, that was a good conversation. And my heart is filled with so much joy from being able to spend some time with Ashley. And the good black word that I'm hoping you caught in that episode is about showing up for yourselves. Because if we cannot show up for ourselves, there's absolutely no way that we can do that for other people. Showing up for you is one of the greatest gifts that you can ever offer to yourself and to anyone else. And so I really want to encourage people until you have figured out how to show up for yourselves, you got to stop pretending to show up for other people. And I want to thank y'all for taking the time to spend some time with me on this episode. And as always, please remember to take care of yourself so that we can take care of each other because y'all already know what it is. We all that we got and we'll chat next time.